The following program is an independent production aired on this network. Opinions and information provided on today's show are those of guests and of the host and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff or management of this network. It's recommended that all listeners exercise due diligence when considering topics or advice of a controversial nature. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. Your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, is out to dispel that myth of the perfect child and encourage parents to let them out of the box. Each child is unique, and this show is just the place to stand up and shout out that fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. So right now, join the queen of accountability who advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. Here is your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. I'm your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, and I am so excited to be with you today on this beautiful summer day. Um, I normally have like a, a conversation that I like to just kind of get out there about something that's going on in the news, um, but I'm going to go off um, on a different path this morning because... I've been getting a lot of feedback on our um, Facebook page, our Facebook group. So um, if, you, if you're on social media and you're on, like, let's say Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or any of those things, you're going to find lots of conversations going on and you're going to find lots of different places to get information. And so I have my personal page, which is, which is awesome. You know, I have a lot of active people on there. And then I also have my uh, Stop Raising Einstein page, which is where, you know, people go to ask questions and have conversations. And then I also have my, um, my Moms in Bars Facebook community, which I just started. Getting a lot of pushback on the title Moms in Bars. And here's the thing. First of all, you have to know the whole name of it. It's Moms and Bars Parenting with a Twist because here's the deal. I think we get far too much information from um, places where we can't really utilize the information. We get far too much information from people who think that their way is the only way. And it's more judgment than it is parenting styles and tools. So I started this program or I started this thing called Moms and Bars because that's where moms really go to, you know, have conversations around parenting. What are you doing? What's working? What's not? Not what do I have to do or what must I do or else I'll destroy my child. But what are you doing that's working and what are you doing that's not? So we started this whole Moms and Bars thing and it's really fun. It's a ton of fun. If you go on, there's like, there's pictures on there. There's, you know, it's not all about moms drinking and getting loaded and being irresponsible parents. You know, when guys go out to a bar for a lunch meeting, or if the guys go out after work for happy hour, it's okay. It's the guys going to a bar. What's the big deal? But if mom goes to a bar 
oh my God, the whole world is going to crumble and she's going to become an alcoholic and a prostitute and she's going to be dancing on the bar and then she's going to have 27 kids and it's just all hell's going to break loose. So, you know, moms can't go to bars. That's the kind of crap that I'm dealing with. And I need you to understand, Parent Nation, we all do things differently. Every one of us does things differently. And every one of us has something, even if it's a little nugget, a little spark of something that we've done somewhere down the line that's worked. We've done something that was positive and that worked. So if me and a bunch of my girlfriends going into a bar and sitting down and drinking soda or iced tea and having a burger and a conversation about parenting, if that's going to help us to be better parents because we're going to get away from our kids for a while. Listen, Going to mom's club and having to take the kids with is not mom's night out, okay? Sitting down and, and at a friend's house, watching the kids and cooking you dinner, dads, while you're sitting in there watching football, that's not a mom's night out. Going to the grocery store or going to the gym is not a mom's night out. Sometimes we just need a mom's night out. So before you criticize moms in bars, look into it, find out what it is, get to know it, and stop judging it. We do enough judging. Jeez, get over it. <sighs> so that's my rant. That, that's my thing. And you're going to be able to see Moms and Bars videos coming out <laughs> really soon. Because we just recorded the first ones last week in Berks County. And let me tell you something. We talk about important stuff. We talk about valuable stuff. And we do it lightheartedly. We do it fun. And we, we're real about it. So you're going to want to check it out before you poo-poo it. Anyway, if you want some fun conversation, go check that out. I am so stoked to have this person, my guest, on today. Her name is Deborah McNellis. And here's the thing. I met her before I met her. Because I met her at a toy fair in New York. She was there with her Brain Insights program and I was there looking for toys for Toys for Tots, and I ran across this woman. I didn't hit her. <laughs> I didn't hurt her. I mean, um, I ran into this woman, and she was brilliant. And she was doing exactly what I believed the world needed to do for parents. And uh, so we had a short conversation, and we exchanged information, and then we parted ways. And then we ran into each other again uh, last summer in San Diego at the Parenting 2.0 conference where we were both speakers. And that's where I fell in love with her. I have like a secret girl crush on her because she's so smart. She's so beautiful. She's got it so together. And she's saying what you guys really need to hear. You know, so many parents online um, are giving advice when they really don't know what they're talking about. And I just want to give you a quick example there was this parent there's this parenting page where people put up questions and you know like moms put up questions and moms answer them and this one mom was having trouble with her 2-year-old and um she wanted to she wanted to spank her because she wasn't sleeping through the night um do you know that there were moms on there that told her to do it that there were moms on there that said things like, I started spanking my child when they were one year old because they know right from wrong at a year old. And I wanted to pull my hair out because although I believe it doesn't take a PhD to raise a child, it does take some level of common sense. And you have to know that at a year old, a child doesn't know right from wrong. That's like saying, you know, well, I'm, we're going to go into that conversation. With I'm not going to go down another rant until I get my Deborah on the phone. So anyway, Deborah has created this early brain development 
program called Brain Insights. And she has so many programs and books and really practical tips, tools, and, and applications that you can find on her website. And I just can't wait to get into this conversation with her because it's so, so important. Deborah, are you there? I am here. I'm listening to all those wonderful things you're saying, and I appreciate it so very much. <laughs> I did. did you know I had a girl crush on you? No, I was just going to say, it really was a secret, because I did not know this. <laughs> I have to tell you, when I met you the first time, do you know how when you meet somebody, they just have something about them that attracts you or detracts you from them? Right, right. right? Isn't that fun? It's- yeah. And, and it was just, there was something connection. about you that I was like, I have to talk to this woman. So tell us about, you, you put this in my head, so I have to do it. Okay. Um, tell us one brain insight that our parent nation would find surprising. Well, it kind of fits with something you just said. There's so many things I'd love to respond to that you, you said. There's so many great nuggets of, of uh, insights you just shared. But um, one thing that when I start out doing presentations, um, uh, near the beginning of the presentation, I will share that 90% of the brain develops in the first five years. It physically grows and develops in that first five years. And um, just having that realization is, is something that's real surprising for a lot of people, which surprises me that it's not common knowledge yet, which I'm trying to change. But <laughs> right. the other piece of that is that although 90% of the brain develops in those first five years, that most people are really surprised to find out that the brain doesn't complete development. Well, it never actually does complete development, but the, the, the real maturity of the brain doesn't happen until about the age of 25. Yeah. You so, know, you talked about that at Parenting 2.0. I yeah. find that fascinating. Isn't it? And it... It, it gives so much um, understanding to parents. So your example that I said I was going to refer to with parents saying, well, they understand by age one. They should understand this. They're supposed to sleep through the night. Well, no, <laughs> they don't. Their brain is still developing, and, and it develops all the way till the, about the age of 25. It's really eye-opening for, well, it's great for understanding some of those difficult toddler years. It, it creates so much understanding. And parents of adolescents, it's real eye-opening. Oh, this makes <laughs> a lot of sense to get this. You know, it's kind of one of those lets you off the hook kind of revelations too because now that I know what I know about my teenager's brain development, I am not so offended or surprised or pissed off when they do stupid things. You got it. You got it. <laughs> exactly. It just, it, it creates, uh, you, know, a, uh, you grasp it, you, and, and yeah, and you don't take it personally. It's like, oh, that's where they're coming from. This is how they're operating. They're not operating from a fully developed, um, pr- the, the highest part of the fun- functioning part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex. They Right now, they might be operating from their emotional area of the brain, and it's not about you as their parent right now. It's about where their brain is functioning. 
It's so true. And we only have like a minute to go until we go to our first break. But I find it so fascinating. And, you know, without getting too technical and overwhelming people, I really want to talk when we come back from this first break. I really want to talk about those different parts of the brain. Because when we realize that for the first, you know, 13 years of their life, they're operating from a space of fight or flight. You know, they're not thinking about what's going to happen if I do that. They're not looking at things from the 30,000 foot view that we talk about as adults. You know, they really don't see that down the road stuff. They're looking at it immediately. And what is this going to do for me right now? And I'm curious to find out. So when we come back from this break, I really, really want to get into that with you because it's so valuable and important. And I think it could help a lot of discipline problems. So we're going to talk more with Deborah McNellis when we come right back. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success, more stability, more happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am being joined today by the founder of Brain Insights, Deborah McNellis. And, you know, before the break, we were talking about um, some things that I experienced when I was online recently where parents were were, uh, basically instructing this young mom 
to spank her two-year-old for not sleeping through the night because they believed that children know right from wrong. And, you know, it's so funny, Deborah, because one of the things, one of the points that they made, because you know I had to go back and forth with them. (laughs) So one of the points that the one mom made was when he's doing something that he knows he's not supposed to be doing, I tell him no, and he shakes his head and says no, 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 no. Guess what? Just because your child sings the ABC song doesn't mean they know how to spell. Children will mimic what we, sh- what we do. And so, you know, I had a dad who his child was taking off his diaper and peeing on him and laughing, like sitting on his lap and peeing on him and laughing. And he was getting really, really angry with this child. This is a dad who has really big reactions to stuff, you know? He's an Italian dad. He has really big reactions. So we were going through the whole thing. You know, are you laughing? Are you making a funny face? Is he, you know, does he want you to repeat the behavior? And what we realized was they had just gone to a water park. And when he would come out of the pool and sit on his dad's lap, his diaper would leak that cold water on his dad's lap. And his dad would go, whoa, oh, my God, get off. You're so cold, blah, blah, blah. He was trying to repeat that same reaction, but he couldn't do it because there wasn't a pool, so he peed on him. That's not knowing right from wrong. That's wanting to get the reaction that made everybody laugh the first time you did it, right? Exactly, exactly. He's just, he's trying to establish that relationship with his dad and and having that, and, and repeat that experience just like you described so what how can we help parents to understand what's going on in their kids brains well understanding how brains develop I think makes parenting so much easier so much better understood understanding their child Um, it, it, it and that's why I do what I do I just I just have such a strong desire to make this common knowledge so that it does make, you know, parenting is a really, really difficult job. And, um, you know, the more we understand, you know, all, all you can do is make it easy. It makes it easier for you. And that's, and that's what, you know, we all want. And ultimately it's going to positively influence a child. So before the break, you were saying, well, let's talk about some of those, uh, brain areas and the the thing is as as you described we start out um with the basics we it's the brain is first of all focused on survival that's our that's our biggest and and main goal just to just to survive and so the the areas of the brain that first develop are those survival areas and so the they're the lower functioning areas of the brain that are going to respond to threats and um, the fight or uh, flight response for fear and threats and so what what we want to do is establish early nurturing responsive safe relationships with our children to calm that area of the brain which even in infancy is influencing the higher functioning area of the brain that I was talking about earlier, the prefrontal cortex, where that area deals with 
looking into the future and consequences and um, and anticipating um, anticipating consequences and planning and controlling their impulses. So that starts developing as in those early early relationships, and then once what the key piece of that is once that area of the brain is developed well and functioning well, it's going to take control over that that fight or flight stress response system area. And and if what I understand is correct, that that transition between the amygdala, the fight or flight part of the brain and the the frontal cortex where we do reasoning and con, you know, projecting and that sort of thing, um, problem solving, all of that happens between 17 and 24. Right. Well, is that correct? Well, that transition, I mean, not the development of it, but the transition from, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do right now and just see what happens to, oh my God, if I do this, this could happen. That doesn't, right? Well, Well, what, let me clarify a little bit. You are right. But what triggers it is if if it's if a child is in a in a calm state, not a lot of excitement, um, they they're they're just in a calm state. A lot of not a lot of emotion is taking place. Then that area of the brain can take over and and be functioning well, and and there can be reasoning and problem solving and control of emotions and anticipating consequences. But if it's a highly emotion-filled situation and there's a lot of excitement and, and, and um, you know, emotionally charged, then what happens is that prefrontal cortex isn't mature enough to take over. You know what's really amazing? I see things in pictures like uh-huh. movies in my head. So when people are talking about stuff, I visualize it. Like it, it it's just my how my brain works. <laughs> but when you were talking, what I was seeing, Deborah, was the difference between your child is having a temper tantrum. So in that moment, as a mom or a dad or whoever, you have two choices. You can either snatch that kid up and start yelling at them and wail on their butt and stick them in timeout. Or you can say, I can see you're really frustrated right now. Why don't you go take a break in your room for five minutes and calm down? And the difference in those two things is in the first scenario, you're going to feel a lot better and your child is going to be shocked into silence and stop the behavior or stop the action, but not the behavior. And in the second scenario, you're changing behavior. You got it. Exactly. Exactly. You're changing your... child needs the mature parent's brain to learn how to develop their brain in a mature way. So the second scenario of the parents staying as calm as they can and realizing, you know, and that's, that's my point, is it makes it easier for parents to be in a calm state because they understand this. So they, okay, this is where he's at right now. He can't, he doesn't have the, the mature brain to control his big emotions right now. He has these big emotions taking place, and he doesn't know, he doesn't have the ability to control all of that right now. So he needs me, as his parent, 
with a mature brain to be calm, to help him through this, and say, I see you're frustrated right now. Are, 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 you feeling, are you feeling mad? Are you feeling angry? Help them express their feelings. Help them calm down. That child is going to learn, learn and contribute to developing those higher functioning areas of the brain through that so much better than your first scenario of just screaming and yelling. And what's that teaching them? What, what to do? How to handle stress. To, Scream to and yell and carry on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's so true. But I got to tell you, and I have to ask you this question because I get this thrown at me so often. How is it that we didn't see that kind of crazy child behavior when we were growing up? Well, I think I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but, but one aspect, um, that when I talk to adults of, of our generation and they tell their experiences of childhood, a lot of, a lot of people describe that their, child, their childhood days, they remember, like especially summer, that you got ready in the morning, you went out and played with the neighborhood kids, you came in for lunch, you rested and had a quiet time in the afternoon, you went back outside and played all afternoon till it was dinner time kids were getting what they needed they need a lot of physical activity they need movement they need play they need time outdoors um, good nutrition his sleep rest all of those things and that's what kids were getting yeah and they're saying that it's such a it's so much more dangerous out there today than it was when we were kids but I don't buy it you know, I don't think that's true. I think we're more aware of the dangers. I think that's true, too. And the you know? other um, aspect of that that I talk about is um, the overstructured mm. um, types of activities that children are taken to, where con- contrast an, uh, an over, uh, a very adult-structured um, activity that children are taken to compared to the neighborhood baseball game. Yeah. It, you know, it's a pickup baseball game or a kickball game or whatever. And you have kids of a variety of ages interacting together, both both genders, um, and they're all coming together. They're, they're figuring out how do we pick teams and what are the bases going to be and, and what are our rules going to be. And they're doing all that problem solving and social development, skill development. Um, just through that, that that process. Now contrast that to, like I said, an adult structured lesson or training. And you're going to do this, and you're going to do it right now, and this is how you're going to do it. There's no thinking and process for that child to develop in that situation. It's true. I think that we've taken away our children's ability to monitor themselves because they used to monitor each other. And I I think that's one of the biggest ways that we're failing our kids. They need to get out, like you said, they need to get exercise and and they need to have that social interaction with their peers because I think their peers are just as important in their development socially and and mentally as as adults are. So when we come back from this break, I really want to talk to you about... um, the most critical time to begin these brain insights and and the practices that you put into place. When we come back from this break. 
Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. It's not just time for a change, is it? It's much bigger than that. Can you feel it? It's time for a transformation. Will you now imagine that you can and will transform your life? Will you suspend your disbelief and imagine that all things are not just possible, but probable? Imagine that you will meet guides, mentors, and trusted friends who believe in you, hold your hand as they point the way, and teach you to trust your own wisdom. The first of these friends is spiritual girlfriend, Gail Carruthers. Gail will show you how to believe. Believe your perfect divine wisdom will reveal your worthiness. Believe that knowing your power will open your boundless courage. Courage to live consciously, fearlessly, and joyfully. And then know, know all these things are already here and waiting for you to bring them into your divine life. She is here to help you discover, believe, and know. So join Gail, your spiritual girlfriend, every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Are you ready to start rocking that woohoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back to the show. I am talking today with Deborah McNellis, who is the founder of Brain Insights. And we're just having an awesome conversation about how your kid's brain works and how knowing how that brain works could actually make your parenting a whole heck of a lot easier. So before the break, we were talking about, well, we've just been talking about a ton of stuff. But what I really want to get into right now is some detail of the various aspects of early brain development that can make a positive impact on our kids' development. So what, how do you speak to that, Deborah? Well, one, one big area that I place a lot of attention is, is a de- de- developing a very positive early relationship. 
there's so much scientific research and, and support that shows how that that early that early relationship critically impacts that higher area of the brain that we've been talking about that is critical for success in life. So um, it, one one big piece of it is having the the well in all of parenting one one of my big areas <laughs> is that we respect that child we respect that child as an individual and realize that there's a brilliance within that child and all we want to do is support and recognize and and respect that that individual child and to so so through that nurturing responsive relationship you develop a a, a connection and you just tune into that baby and you read what that baby's trying to tell you because that they do they you know sometimes it's so hard to tell right they- i was just going to say you know what do you do i mean my second child had colic and yeah. it was hard to respect that little person when they were screaming in my face 24 hours a day and I couldn't sleep and they didn't want to eat and he was just miserable. I mean, I couldn't even sleep in the same bed as my husband because he had to get up for work and it's kind of, it it makes you lose a little bit of respect for this person. (laughs) It is. As I said earlier, it's, 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 well, it is. People say it all the time. It's the most difficult job in the world. But, um, but and yeah, there are so many frustrating times because you're trying to do the best possible job. And that's why. And so because you're trying to do the best possible job, that's key. That's the <laughs> you were tuning in to your child and trying trying to feed him, trying to get him to sleep, trying to comfort him. That's what he needed. And even though you know, you're not successful at it all the time, that he's still screaming you were doing, you were responding to him, and that's what it is that they need. That's what they need most. If they are expressing a need and you are responding, that's that's what a child, that's the first and primary need that a child has. And doing that predictively and consistently and keeping that baby safe, those are the first and primary needs of that child. So basically what you're saying is, okay, so you're, you're born with one basic need, and that is to survive. So your, your desire for survival causes you to feel hunger, and so you ask for food. And you're uncomfortable, so you ask to be changed. And since you don't have language, the only way you're going to do that is to cry. Exactly. But what do you say to those moms, those new moms, whose moms, mother-in-laws, whatever, ever, are whispering in their ear, you're going to spoil that child. You're going to make him a spoiled brat. Don't pick him up. Let him cry it out. What do you say? Well, that science shows us completely the opposite. Um, and that's what I love about this. Earlier you, in your introduction, you were making a statement about um, people giving their opinions on parenting. That's what I love that we have now have the scientific evidence that shows what children need most and what's going to, to help their brains develop in the most optimal way. And um, so responding to the, the needs like you just expressed, I'm, I'm hungry, I need you to feed me. I'm uncomfortable, I need you to change me. I'm bored. Babies get bored. They want a different position. They want to look at something. They're learning about the world. I might be bored. I want to 
I just want somebody to hold me. I'm lonely in my crib laying here all by myself. That they're expressing a need, and if they're responded to, they're going to learn that they can communicate their needs and their needs are going to be met, and that's going to develop trust, and that ends up contributing, as I said over and over, to that higher functioning area of the brain best. If the baby, in contrast, is, is their, their cries are not responded to, they don't develop that trust, and there's unpredictability and confusion that's wired in their brain. So it's all, whatever a child is experiencing is physically creating connections in the brain, physically creating connections between the, the neurons, the brain cells, and it's based all on the experiences that a child has. So if they're having this repeated predictability and responsiveness, that is setting up the base for these higher functioning areas of the brain to develop. So we're doing just the opposite. We're not spoiling them. We're doing just what they need. So you're saying that all of this stuff that we're supposed to be doing, we can start like the moment they're born, as opposed to, you know, we went through, uh, my generation went through this whole phase, this baby Einstein phrase, phase that totally <laughs> irritated the crap out of me, where people were like showing their babies flashcards as soon as they were born to try to make them brilliant. Um, and I'm like the person who was just making goofy faces to make them laugh. Like I wanted to see, my goal was to see how early I could make my baby laugh. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like to get them to spell cat when they were four months old. Exactly. I, I just thought that was so silly. But do you, like, what do you think about all of that? You know, do you think that babies can register, you know, the difference between right and wrong when they're six months old, a year old? Well, first of all, I want to say, this is why you and I established this good connection right from the start, because <laughs> I cannot agree with you more about the baby Einstein and pushing young children. I, I say this all the time in my presentations, that what, what frustrates me extensively is that um, the term early brain development has become too often synonymous with meaning let's push young children to learn more at earlier ages. Mm -hmm. And sadly, the brain science isn't getting out fast enough to dispel those, those, that thinking. So, um, so anyway, it, what you're saying is, yeah, that interaction making funny faces at the baby is, of course, much more of what that baby needs. Um, they they need that one-on-one -on -one interaction. They do not need DVDs. In fact, the, the American Academy of Pediatricians says no TV for the first two years because mm -hmm. you're missing that opportunity for those real interactions. That's what the baby needs. They need to be looking at your face, watching your facial expressions. You said earlier, they imitate everything you do. They start from day one doing that. You stick out your tongue at a baby, at one day old, they're going to watch you do that, and they're going to start trying to do that. You can see it happening right from <laughs> day one. It's the funniest thing, too. That was like my favorite, teaching them how to make those raspberry sounds with their mouth. Man, that was awesome. 
And you know, Deborah, the thing I find so amazing is I'm hearing from so many moms who are, you know, it's this whole lean in phenomenon. You know, I, I need to do this because I need to give myself time to work while I'm still being a mom. So that's part of my work life mom balance is to give my child an iPad, give my child my iPhone, stick my kid in front of a TV and let them be educated and entertained while I work. My whole thing is you could put your kid in a bouncy seat next to you and look over at them every 10 seconds or every five minutes and make a goofy face at them. And that would be a thousand times better than handing them your iPad. You got it. You got it. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why, well, we haven't talked about, but I, I developed a series of brain development activity packets and they're, they're designed for exactly what you are talking about. They're, packets of activities, one for each age, from birth to age five, and their activity ideas that parents can do with their child during everyday life, while you're making dinner, while you're doing the dishes, while you're grocery shopping, while you're waiting for an appointment, while you're doing whatever you're doing throughout the day. These are easy, fun, interactive activity ideas, and then on the back of the card it explains in what way that's helping support the child's brain development. So it's giving all those ideas of things to do, like you just described, that are not using screens. It's so awesome. And I, you know, we, I was just talking with somebody else about it, too. When you go to Toy Fair now, it, there, the electronics section has pretty much taken over. And there's all kinds of, between the devices for the baby themselves and the holders for the adult devices that you can put on a stroller or a high chair or a car seat, to hold the device for the child because, you know, you want you don't want them to have to drop it and break it, you know. Right. <laughs> it's right. insane. And But I found that my kids, even at two and three years old, were awesome at sorting laundry. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, unless they're colorblind, you know, and even then they can tell the darks from the lights. So there, there's so many things that we are missing when we look at when we say, "Oh, kids today are are so much more ill-behaved than we ever were," I think we have to look at what our moms and grandmoms did that we're no longer doing, and what we've replaced that with. And I think that we're going to have our answer when we when we start really looking into that. And what I think that we spend too much time with our kids when they get old enough to go outside, let them do that because I think one of the reasons our kids drive us crazy is because we're with them too much, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> so when we come back from this break, um, I want to talk to you about um, the areas of brain development that it, you believe that if people understood them, it would make their parenting job like a piece of cake. So I want to talk with you about that when we come back from this break. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Are you ready to start rocking that woohoo that 
only you do because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She's a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. It's not just time for a change, is it? It's much bigger than that. Can you feel it? It's time for a transformation. Will you now imagine that you can and will transform your life? Will you suspend your disbelief and imagine that all things are not just possible, but probable? Imagine that you will meet guides, mentors, and trusted friends who believe in you. Hold your hand as they point the way and teach you to trust your own wisdom. The first of these friends is spiritual girlfriend, Gail Carruthers. Gail will show you how to believe. Believe your perfect divine wisdom will reveal your worthiness. Believe that knowing your power will open your boundless courage. Courage to live consciously, fearlessly, and joyfully. And then know, know all these things are already here and waiting for you to bring them into your divine life. She is here to help you discover, believe, and know. So join Gail, your spiritual girlfriend, every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Welcome back to the show. We are in the home stretch here talking with my guest today, Deborah McNellis, the founder of Brain Insights, which is just an awesome program. And uh, before the break, Deborah, you were talking to us about the, um, the cards that you've created. And I really want to make sure that all of our listeners have the, you know, the best ways to get in touch with you. Um, I know you're going to be presenting in November at the NAEYC, the National Association for the Education of Young Children, that conference in Washington. Um, and you have just come out with Brain Sites activity packs for early childhood educators. Um, I want people, like, give people your contact information, though, like your website and all that stuff. Sure. Um my main website is braininsightsonline.com, and the brain packets are all featured there. You can see descriptions of each age of, of the packets um, and, and order directly from the site. That's awesome. And I know that you, are, you did give a special offer to our listeners today, which is 20% off your total order for brain packets or Love Your Baby Prints. 
um, and they just have to enter the promo code NEW, N-E-W. So that's awesome, awesome gift to give to our listeners. I appreciate that very much, Deborah. Um, and that also, the information for that, if you missed it, is going to be on the TogiNet um, Stop Raising Einstein homepage, too, so you can get that information there. But before we wrap up, because we only have a few minutes left in the show, like 10 minutes left, um, I want you to share with us um, the most important, well, the three areas of brain development that you feel that if people understood it would make the most positive impact, and then the one thing that if you could only share one tip with our parents today, what would it be? Okay. <laughs> um, there's so much to it that it's, it's hard to narrow it down, but it's, it's I, I'd say the, the main thing is the development of that relationship, as we've talked about already, having that respect and responsiveness and um, predictability in that relationship with that child. So that is key. And, and, and again, I, I just have to <laughs> stress that respect of that child as an individual. Um, listening to them, respecting, responding to them um, it is just a key thing to keep in mind and, and as the emphasis throughout everything you do with a child. But um, go ahead. I have, I have to ask you a question about that, though, Deborah, because in my work, I run across a lot of children who were given such a high level of autonomy at such a very young age, such a high level of independence. You can share anything. You can say whatever you want. You can be whoever you want to be at such a young age that now they are raging smart asses. Like... Okay. They can do no wrong. They're smart mouth, back talking, you know, don't you scold me, you're not my mama kind of kids. And we're having a lot of trouble with that. Yeah, in my and, I, and that, is not, that is not what I'm saying. I'm saying more that, um, that help, maybe saying mutual respect, establishing mutual respect. You, what I'm, there you go. I'm, that I'm getting at is... If you want your child to say please when they ask for something, then you need to respect them and say please when you, it's the role modeling, it's that mutual respect. And I'm, I'm very much um, an advocate for establishing limits and consequences for children, um, not just letting them go off um, freely and doing everything and having that disrespect. I. I, I am not advocating for that at all. Children need limits. They need guidelines. They look to us for those guidelines and, and limits. They need that, that structure. It, it makes them feel comfortable um, to, to have that and know what, what the boundaries are. So, um, so that's a piece of what I, I consider respect as well. Is respecting yourself and teaching your child self-respect through modeling it. Exactly. You, yeah. And you know what else I found? When children have boundaries and limits that are established and predictable, the need for those harsh consequences pretty much goes away. Exactly. Exactly. So if you, if your predictability is, is huge, so they know what the response is going to be. If you're consistent and so you've established 
much. This is this is the expectation I have, and this is and the child knows that consequence. You're set, you're setting up that predictability. I know if I do this, this is how my parent is going to respond, and if it's consistent, they know this. That sets up this this comfort feeling and this this structure. So it needs to be, of course, reasonable, <laughs> reasonable limits and and um, consequences. And I'm a huge advocate for creating choice, providing choices for children. Because if we have um, either a real or perceived lack of control, that sets up stress. And stress is not good for our brains. And um, so whenever we can create an opportunity to create choice for our children, we're, we're making life easier on ourselves and the family, as well as teaching them. So it's not that, so an example, would you like to brush your teeth before you put your pajamas on or after? So yes. it's not saying you 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 don't you get to choose if you're going to brush your teeth or not. You're going to brush your teeth, but you get to choose. Do you want to do it before you put on your pajamas or after? Building in those kind of choices for the child just makes it things flow and so much easier throughout daily life. You can do this in everything that's going on. Do you want to put on your pants first or your shirt first? building in that that opportunity for that child and you know it's so funny because I see a lot of parents that struggle um, with their children refusing to do what they tell them to do and they don't understand why their children just have this blatant refusal to do what they're told to do right. and it giving them that tool that you just shared has changed the dynamic in so many families I can't even begin to tell you. Just explaining to them that your child's refusal to do what you're asking them to do isn't personal. It's about them trying to gain control over the situation. That's right. That's right. And, and what, instead of setting up a power struggle, just, just building a, a choice. And it, yep. it alleviates so much stress and resistance and, and and all of that, and builds an opportunity for learning. How many of us like to be told what to do? How many of us like to have a boss or a supervisor just dictating, this is what you're doing now, this is what you're doing now? How many of us like that? Well, that's <laughs> part of this respect thing that I'm saying. Let's do that for our children. Absolutely. And I guarantee that if you, if you start to build that in, you're going to see a difference in the way your children behave. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, it's it's so funny because you said if you want your child to say please, you have to say please. I think it's so funny, and I observed this when I was in Los Angeles with my friend Lisa Stedman. If she's listening, she's going to laugh her butt off. We were sitting in a very nice restaurant, and there was a party next to us of about 12 people, and it was three couples and their kids. And everybody was, like, using their manners and laughing and having a good time. The adults were drinking and doing adult things. And this one child kept raising their voice. And the dad, in response, would look at the child and scream at the top of his lungs, I kid you not, would you lower your voice? Stop yelling. <laughs> and I looked at Lisa and I'm like, okay, I bet you if he whispered that, the kid would lower his voice. That's right. It's like, what are you modeling, dude? <laughs> exactly. And the other thing, so, so, you know, a lot of times adults will do these demands and commands at kids, do this, go do that. But then if a child turns around and says, um, get me some juice, you know, what do they automatically say? Did you say please? Did you ask me nicely? You know, all that kind of thing. So 
and and the other aspect of this is some of this what we were talking about with how the brain develops in in the higher functioning areas demands and commands are more like the threats like we were talking about that uh, activate the stress response system the fight or flight responses so if a kid is hearing these demands and commands that's activating those lower functioning areas of the brain and as I said whatever experiences a child has is what's wiring that brain so if that child is experiencing primarily demands and commands and those kinds of threats that's what's being wired in their brain that lower area if we're engaging them in making choices and talking to them in a respectful way that's going to activate the care and, and, and you know, positive higher functioning areas of the brain in that prefrontal cortex yeah and you know it's so funny because my kids um when I would need them to do something or when I would need, like, want them to do something, I would ask them if they could help me. When they were little, little babies, like right. two years old, I would right. be like, can you help mommy with this? And they were, like, so excited to help me. And I know that a lot of parents who are in that authoritative state are going to look at that and go, that's she-she-foo-foo. I'm not going to, you know, poo-poo around asking my kids to do stuff. If I need them to do something, I'm going to tell them to do it. But then don't be surprised when your kid starts to build a wall right? and starts to conveniently neglect or forget to do the things that you've asked them to do. When you say it would help me if you did this, then our kids are a lot more willing to do what we've asked them to do. And also if they know why they're being asked to do something, right. just like us, if we know why we're being asked to do something, we're a lot more willing to do it. So, Deborah, I can't believe that our time is up already. I could talk for days with you. <laughs> this is I just love it. the most amazing thing. So, I thank you so much for bringing all of this wonderful information to our parent nation. And, you know, don't forget to connect with Deborah online, braininsightsonline.com or on Facebook at Brain Insights. And connect with us on our pages, too. You know, you can go to Moms and Bars on Facebook, or you can go to Stop Raising Einstein on Facebook. Join in the conversation, ask us questions, and just engage, because we are so much more powerful when we work together than we try than when we're trying to parent on an island. So thank you for joining me. I'm really looking forward to being back again with you next week. Until then, keep playing. Thanks for listening to Stop Raising Einstein with your host, Tara Kennedy-Klein. Make these Stop Raising Einstein principles your own. Love unconditionally, give freely, laugh openly, learn daily, grow immensely. And of course, 